All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm speaking to you from Queens, uh, the borough of Queens in New York City. It's the 23rd day of June in the year 2020. I do want to remind you that I'm the uh, author of a newsletter called J. Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks, and uh, you can subscribe to my letter by going to miningstocks.com, miningstocks.com, or you can call our office during normal work hours here in New York City at 718-457-1426, 718-457-1426. also like to uh, suggest you take a look at Chen Lin's letter, What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? Go to chenpicks.com. Chen is very excited about a number of uh, biotech stories that he's following, and that is an area of expertise that he has developed over the years. He also follows a number of gold mining situations as well, and on the energy front, too. So uh, what is Chen buying? What is Chen selling? ChenPicks.com. And uh, go there to sign up for his letter. And Michael Oliver, who is with us today, we always like to remind you, it's OliverMSA.com. Uh, the best technical analyst I've ever met up with, at least for my purposes, the way I invest. So uh, I'm very pleased to tell you Michael will be with me in just a couple of minutes from now to give us his latest thoughts on some of the most important markets that we track. I do want to thank all of you for listening to this show, making it one of the more popular shows in the Voice America Business channel. Also, I want to invite you to send along uh, whatever comments you have about this show to questions for taylor at gmail.com, questions at number four, taylor at gmail.com. And, of course, we do want to thank our sponsors because without them, there would be no show. Our sponsors this week, RN Resources, Great Bear Resources, Benchmark Metals, Hannon Metals, Irving Resources, Novo Resources, and Sitka Gold Corp. I've titled today's show, Transitioning from Democracy to American Tyranny. Bob Moriarty, Ivan Bebek, and Michael Oliver, as I just noted, will be with me. The violence following the tragic death of George Floyd was blamed on racism. Black lives matter. But why then do numerous murders of black men occurring every weekend in Chicago and other major cities go totally unmentioned or unnoticed? Bob Moriarty posits that the Fed's role in orchestrating ongoing massive wealth redistribution is more severe now than any other time in American history, and that that is leading to an energizing force between, behind a lot of the, uh, the, the lack of lawfulness that we're seeing now and the destruction that we're seeing of property within major cities, not to mention lives that have been lost during these demonstrations as well. Uh, are, we in, uh, are, are we in some danger of some sort of an overthrow of our traditional 
values? Uh, is this a cultural revolution? Are we facing something uh, that will strip away our First Amendment rights and our rights to be who our Declaration of Independence told us that we have the right to be, the God-given right to be, to pursue our happiness and to be who God created us to be as individuals, not as puppets of the state. Well, those are issues that we'll talk to Bob about uh, in the second half of today's show. And uh, I will uh, I will be talking to Ivan Bebek uh, after the first commercial break. Uh, Ivan will talk about RN Resources, which is a company that has a couple of world-class targets, uh, exploration properties, gold and copper properties in Peru, and also has a very major, uh, very major target, uh, very large-scale target up in Nunavut in, in Canada. And uh, Ivan and his team have done a remarkable job in the past of making a lot of money for their shareholders. And I think the, uh, the chances are very good that he'll do it once again with Aaron, and that's the reason that I have him as a sponsor to the show and the reason that I own the shares and the reason that they are also recommended in my newsletter. So, uh, so we'll be talking to both of those gentlemen a little bit later, but right now I'm really pleased to tell you that Michael Oliver is with us again. Thanks for joining me, Michael. Hi, Jay. Good to be back. It's really good to have you uh, every other week. Uh, we can't get you every week, but at least if we get you every other week, that's, that's, um, that's half as good as what we could have. So I'm so thankful that you're with us today. Now, gold is really starting to, to move again. Um, I think you were telling me that we've seen it at these levels about, this is like the third month in a row. It comes up to these levels and then it gets hit, taken down. Is it going to happen again? We're going to see well, these levels? Okay. I mean, we're at 1760 or something like that right now. Well, no, it's, it, it, if you look at the high price of the front month future over the last three months, it's the same price within a dollar. Mm-hmm. You know, 1775, you round it up to a 25 point increment, but it's 1776, 1777, today 1775. It's almost ridiculous looking. Yeah, I, I've never seen a chart behave this way. Uh, it, it's still very firm. And, you know, everybody thought we're going to collapse. Uh, every time we go down, it's going to collapse. It's all over. It's either going to correct big or it's a bear market coming. And, you know, the litany, is it just goes on and on. And yet we keep coming back up. Um, I think there's, instead of watching gold, which, of course, you should do, but, I mean, uh, instead of just focused on gold itself, watch peripheral markets out of your side mirrors. And the, the two big ones, of course, it's one's a stock market. And uh, gold was viewed, and rightly so, by many analysts and investors as an alternative to the stock market, so were T-bonds. Uh, and this was, you know, during the first quarter of the year. And yet, with the S&P turning back up with its lovely rally, uh, gold is not caved. Mm-hmm. In fact, T-bonds right. is not caved either. And yet you would think, well, if they're alternatives, they should cave, right? No, mm-hmm. they didn't. Uh, it's as if they're saying, hey, you know, this isn't over. Okay? Now, They've not been violent. Gold's not been violent. Uh, and, in fact, even if you stand back and look at its sell-offs that everybody is so scared of over the last few months, stand back and look at a monthly chart going back, oh, 10 years or so, and you'll see that actually we've been in a fairly sedate, narrow range. It's not been that wild. Uh, anyway, we're back at the top end of that range, and now I would, I would suggest looking at the dollar index, which continues to weaken toward a major breakage number that we've been touting for a while. And it's right now it's trading 1% above our, our key number. Um, and I suspect it's going to take out that number soon. Um, that's something to watch because most people, the, the foreign exchange markets have not been a major factor because they've been so sedate. And I'm talking mm-hmm. the major currencies now, the euro, the yen, uh, 
British pound and especially the dollar index. They've been almost sleepwalking for the last year and a half, two years. Very narrow range. But there is a structure below the dollar index, which if we trigger, and like I said, it's 1% below us right now, uh, I think it's going to head south in a hurry. It's going to make some noise, in other words. So that's a factor to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, watch the S&P, because this rally is lovely as it is. And by the way, MSA called the upturn one day after the low. We said, mm-hmm. if you're bearish, get out of the way. They're going to hurt you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sure enough, they hurt you. Uh, we're trying to time the rollover in the broad market. And we're focused primarily on the leadership stocks like Amazon, Apple, and so forth, which are the very narrow leadership stocks. Uh, But we're trying to time a rollover in the stock market, and I think it's probably soon, like in the next week or so. Uh, And I think that'll be a factor that helps gold, because then again, once again, investors in the stock market will have to decide, well, you know, do I want back into the alternatives again, Uh, gold and T-bonds? And I think the answer will be yes. So I'd be mm-hmm. watching the stock market and uh, foreign exchange markets as, as the probably the key next drivers for gold. Mm-hmm. Well, certainly, Michael, we're seeing uh, the, uh, you know, I track the analyst projections for producers, large, medium, and small producers, uh, and the earnings that are being projected out through next year are just going up very dramatically, very, very significantly, especially for the smaller cap producers. And so I can't help but think that that should be very bullish for the mining shares as well. And uh, what about uh, with a couple of minutes left here? How is GDX or some of those uh, some of those indexes? Well, GDX that you watch? is right now lagging again. Gold, meaning uh, gold, while gold's back at its high, GDX is a couple points short of its high. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But GDX is is like a little screaming baby. <laughs> Pardon me. Uh, you know, it, it sometimes will squeal loudly on the upside and squeal loudly on the downside. So it's it's a uh, it's an erratic beast, but it will follow gold. I have no doubt of that. Uh, and uh, I think it's primed to go up. Actually, our swing measurement for this major breakout that occurred a few months ago, the, the crossing of the trading up to 32 was a breakout on price charts, uh, is to go into the low 50s before its next major rest stop. And I think that's probably where we're headed. Uh, and it, 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 of course, is watching gold. And if gold makes new highs, gets up into the low 1800s, for example, I think GDX would be back to its high and screaming again on the upside. So you just have to learn the behavior of that of the miners. They they mm-hmm. are very emotional both ways, but I think they will outperform gold. And yeah. there's good reasons. I mean, like you said, the, the price of that which they mine from the earth is going up nicely, and their cost of production is going down nicely because you've got energy prices at uh, you know mm-hmm. long term lows. Mm-hmm. Uh, even forty dollar crude is low. So. Uh, they've got yeah. up on both sides yeah. of the equation. They've got it made. Yeah, it's working well right now for sure. No doubt about that. Well, also just with a minute and a half left here, Michael. What about copper and commodities? Well, just address copper because our our next uh, guest mm-hmm. is yeah. uh, R and well, Resources, and they is, uh, they have firming yeah. up very nicely, uh, and it looks like it's it's about to engage on the upside. Copper, unlike the commodity market as a whole, like the Bloomberg Commodity Index, did not make a new low in the recent drop. It held above its 2016 low, and since then it's gone vertical. And uh, we're not too far away in copper, uh, we covered in our reports, from breaking it out to the upside again uh, in a a very strong way. And I don't think this is an an economic thing where, oh, the economy of the world is getting better. I think it's a situation where uh, low-priced commodities which simply aren't going to go you know, and stay at 
low levels forever, are being uh, boosted by central bank monetary stimulus, and that investor preferences are shifting away from questionable developed market stocks to low-priced, low-risk commodity assets, and I think mm-hmm. copper can be put in that category. Yeah. Well, certainly it could be considered almost a, mo- a monetary metal, gold being the top one, silver, and then we're, yes, I'm, we still, I still have way, some yes. pennies. I have some copper pennies laying around here, so I guess it's uh, it, it could be judged, it could be uh, thought of as the, the poorest mm-hmm. of the poor men's gold, I suppose. But in any event, uh, it's it's good to hear that uh, from the press uh, from the perspective of uh, R and resources because they are uh, really looking at some very large scale copper and gold targets in Peru. So, uh, anything else, Michael? With thirty seconds left, one final uh, note. Let me think. Um, well, watch the Bloomberg Commodity Index because uh, uh, copper, of course, is a factor there, and crude oil is as well. Uh, we're still looking for the commodity complex to reassert itself like it did in the late 70s, followed gold up a year and a half or two after gold already turned up. Then the commodities, which were depressed, uh, went up during a period of global stagnation. They called it stagflation, of course, a new term, where you had monetary inflation that did not go into the stock market. It went into the commodity markets. Mm-hmm. So I think as gold engages in this next phase of upside, you'll see the Bloomberg Commodity Index and with components like copper and grains and so forth uh, engage as well uh, I don't think they'll outperform gold, but I think they'll be quite strong. So mm-hmm. that's another arena to look at is com- uh, basic commodities and stocks that are directly related to those commodities. Very good. Well, thank you very much, Michael, for being with us again. Your uh, insights are always are always coveted by uh, our listeners and by and by yours truly. So thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, Jay. All righty, folks. Well, don't go away. I'm going to be back with Ivan Bebek of RN Resources and. Uh, they have uh, a couple of very, very, very attractive properties, uh, really world-scale type type projects in, in Peru. Uh, so we'll hear more about them from Ivan Bebek as, after we come back from the break. Don't go away. Noble Resources Corp. trades on the OTCQX under the symbol NSRPF and on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol NVO. Its flagship assets are located in the Pilbara region of Western Australia. Novo has recently partnered with Sumitomo Corporation of Japan to evaluate, advance, and develop the company's Australian gold projects. With over $40 million in cash and $60 million committed from Sumitomo, Novo is well on its way to establishing itself as one of the top junior explorers and developers in Australia. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times to Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor. Really pleased to have with me once again Ivan Bebek. He's the executive chairman, director of RN Resources, and Ivan has been with us a number of times 
uh, in the past, and uh, those of you who are regular listeners to this show know that he has had an excellent track record. He's made a lot, a lot of money for his uh, shareholders and in various other uh, venues in the past. Uh, he and his team, uh, and he's at it again. Um, you know, there's always a, mining requires a certain amount of patience, no doubt about it. Exploration, development, and then something called COVID-19 comes along and sets you back a little later. There's always something it seems, but patience is required, and with the patience. Uh, in good science and, and uh, people that can raise money, uh, success will ultimately come. And I think we're looking at uh, R&R resources as, as a chance to have a really big year this year. So I'm really pleased to welcome Ivan. Thanks for joining me again, Ivan. Thank you so much for having me back, Jay. It's really good to have you. And I, I should start out by telling our listeners, in case they're not familiar, uh, you trade in Toronto under AUG. You can buy it down here in the States. Uh, I think it trades on the New York Stock Exchange under AUG. Uh, 95.3 million shares. You can correct me if I'm wrong about that, but I think that's approximately it. I saw the shares trading. Yeah. What is it? One, 104. Yeah. Oh, 104. Okay, 104 shares. 104 million shares. Uh, trading at about two dollars. Uh, two dollars a share in Canada earlier today. That would make it about a buck and a half in U.S. money, I suppose. But anyway, that's a, a little under. Well, it'd be around 200 million dollars, I suppose, in Canadian money and market cap, right? Something like That's that. Correct. Yeah. So, um, all right. So let's let's talk about. Uh, I, I'm very excited about things you have going down, uh, going on down there in Peru. Your Carabaya and Sombrero projects. Uh, update us on those, and, and what are your what are your what are your plans this year down there? I mean, I can't wait until you start drilling those puppies because they look really exciting. Yeah. Thanks, Jay. Well, look, you know, it's. First of all, we want to thank you and, and a lot of listeners and shareholders for the patience. You know, just when we thought we were going to hit the ground running in Q1, we had to deal with the, the COVID pause and very empathetic. And we were able to help out a ton in the communities. But what's happened recently, we've basically gone from a holding company in Q1 in, at the start of one of the biggest bull markets to being an exploration company as of June 21st, we can uh, work again in Peru under under the new guidelines. So, you know, I, I think that We've definitely teased the market enough uh, with the opportunity of Sombrero being extremely large scale, uh, comparing it to Las Bombas that sold for about $8 billion in 2014 and, and some of the other major mines nearby. That's only been the top 5% of the, the land position we've accumulated at Sombrero. So there's a lot more to come. Uh, definitely another huge copper target as well as a very big precious metal target called Cello down south that we were about to get our hands on and start taking samples on uh, right before COVID took place. Um, so that's now you know going to be fully live for us. So you'll hear a lot of news about more. Not that more was needed, but more is there. There because we were first movers and we cornered the belt. On Curibaya, you know, the incredible grades of silver and gold, um, you know, we're waiting for geophysics and some more sampling before we can actually apply for the permits there, which both companies, I think, will be, or both assets will be able to be drilled in Q4 of this year. Um, at Curibaya, the big find that we've had in the recent weeks was there's more post-mineral cover, there's more dirt covering the rocks than we thought. So all mm-hmm. those multi-kilo silver and multi-gram gold numbers we were so elated about and excited you know we're talking like 14 kilo silver 10 kilo silver and you know up to 40 gram gold they're coming through a thicker sequence which means the system is likely a lot stronger than we originally anticipated Mm -hmm. and and that's a spectacular find because you look at it as leakage when you see that kind of high grade but 
understanding how strong the leakage is gives you an inclination of how big or how sweet the target might be underneath it. So we'll get a lot of, a lot of will come out of that targeting when we do the geophysics. And if we can see the strength and the size of what's underneath the surface, that would really give us a lot to speculate with. But you asked me what's going to happen in the second half of the year in Peru. Um, mm-hmm. You know, real short, we, we are going to flood the, the market with news over new things that we haven't heard about yet. Um, we think we're going to get a lot more access to more targets. And we've been very, very diligent about working on the permitting schedule to try and move permits up. And unfortunately, it's going to come as a complete surprise to the market and to ourselves. We won't really be able to telegraph it because there's a lot of ways it can go for us and we don't have absolute certainty yet. I hope that the day I get the permit in hand is the day I call you and we get on the radio to talk about you know the permit being in hand. But mm-hmm. I think holistically on a larger goal, getting it sometime in Q4 is, is feasible and we're, we're doing everything we can to try and get it much sooner. So we'll see how that goes. But mm-hmm. yeah, Peru is going to get a lot better, a lot bigger. There's a lot more that we haven't talked about. And now we're in a market where if we do make these discoveries, we're going to get paid a huge amount more than we would have a year or two ago. And again, it's, it's been a long wait, but there's a good old saying is that, you know, is it worth the wait? And, and in this case here, I think it's going to be more than worth the wait. And if you want to have a legendary discovery in your portfolio, like a Sombrero district coming out with big discoveries or Curibaya, you're going to have to spend some time and you're going to have to spend some money. And we both, we've invested both of those, you know, exceedingly over the last couple of years. So we come to the forefront and I'd, I'd like to give it a 12-month you know, runway that we'll be able mm-hmm. to drill both of those as well as our Canadian assets in the start of this big bull market. And so we've never been better positioned. Our fundamentals have never been better in terms of timing towards permit, in terms of runway or pipeline of world-class targets that we can drill, and most importantly, in terms of commodity price and ability to future capital that we have in front of us. So it's really exciting. No, it is, uh, definitely. Uh, very exciting. Well, let's talk about Committee Bay. What are your plans up there? I mean, that's you've you've spent something like sixty million dollars up there already. Uh, drilled two hundred and seventy six holes uh, over this massive property you have up there. Uh, again, when you're looking at world tar- world scale targets, uh, you know it's not quick and easy. It's uh, it takes a lot of drilling, a lot of a lot of money, uh, and then you're up there in the uh, in Nunavut where your season is fairly short, but. What are you planning to do at Committee Bay this year? Well, that's a great introduction because we have spent a lot and the prize is going to be worth more than a lot more than what we've put into it because of the mines that are being found up there, like Meliadine, 11 million ounces, um, or Amaruk, about 6 million ounces. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the kind of things, plural, we're looking for along this trend. Now, it may sound like a lot of money and a lot of drill holes, but the trend is 300 kilometers long, and we've only (laughs) physically been on that property for nine months. So you imagine, Jay, going to a property and spending $60 million drilling 276 holes in nine months. That's an incredibly (laughs) compressed period of time. What I will say, though, it's not all about complaining how long and how hard it was. The outcomes have been spectacular, and we've given a little tease with a breakthrough we had last year that we've touched on in recent press releases. Um, We started applying that to the rest of the trend, and you know, we, look, we think we're going to have another season of 10, 12 targets along the trend with these world-class swings, and, and that'll be ready for next year. Unfortunately, COVID won't allow us to drill it this year, um, but 
first and foremost, there is 25,000 meters worth of fuel to drill up there. So we have a really big head start. We get the, the summer to really refine the targeting and paint the really big picture that we're all going to want to experience as we go into this robust gold market uh, into next year. Yeah. Well, you certainly have a lot going for you, and you have other properties that are non-core assets that you're looking to monetize. I know you had one in British Columbia that I was aware of, uh, but where do those uh, those other non-core properties stand? Because if you can if you can somehow monetize those and use the money to uh, you know to finance your exploration, that would be a, a big a big plus for shareholders. Yeah, without saying too much there, Jay, because um, always have to be careful on public yeah. disclosure. I'll make the comment that the recent metal prices have made those worth a lot more and made it a lot more executionable or reasonable for us to do it. I mean, at 1350 gold, there's no race to go sell a, a high-quality gold project, right? Um, but at 1750 going on potentially or through 2000, you know, things have changed dramatically in terms of the value there. So I think the monetization event has gone up considerably, and these are better prices to really entertain it. So I'd, I'd look forward to something here in the next quarter to see hopefully that uh, we can do something with them. You mentioned uh, that you, I think you said something about community development or community relations. That's always key. You know, it's not something that necessarily excites markets, but it's very important. And I think you indicated you were taking some time uh, to, to develop good relations in Peru down there with, with, uh, with the locals. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, so we've spent about a million dollars to date at Sombrero. Uh, since we've been there for about two and a half years. And we've done various programs from agricultural programs has been a big thing. And then recently during COVID, not only was the towns cut off from Lima during the restrictions, but we brought in supplies, you know, very um, uh, sanitized supplies so that, you know, Uh people could have food and other things they needed. We've also brought in medical supplies necessary to arm them with a preparation for COVID should it hit their communities, right? And, you know, as much as it's fun to make a lot of money for shareholders, you know, I, I think the people that finance us should be very proud that we take it very serious, that we impact a lot of people's lives and we do what we can to be positive, sustainable, and have a long-term influence. Um, It's not common for a junior to spend a million dollars in community and social awareness or raise and spend collectively with the government that kind of capital ahead of a drill program before you know you have a mine. But our Mm -hmm. confidence that we're going to get into a pretty substantial mining district is is obviously high enough that we can make those expenditures in bad markets and or good markets. And what we want to leave as a lasting footprint is we want to leave a very sustainable improvement to everyone's lives there. Um, this gets recognized not just within the communities we work with, but by our reputation in country. So when we approach projects, we want people to know, you know, it's, it's more of action before words is our motto. You know, we want to make positive influences first. And at the end of the day, for shareholders, that extra effort and that consideration by us will result in uh, more access to more targets and a much more plausible, you know, mining scenario going forward. So we're very proud of that and we want to do a lot more. And so once we have access, we plan to do a lot more. And, um, you know, I think the confidence has never been higher and the fundamentals have never been stronger than they are today based on, Mm -hmm. you know, the added metal prices, but also the timeline to permits, which is resuming for us. So I think a very exciting second half of the year. Um, One thing that we haven't touched on here is we have seven projects in our portfolio. Some we could monetize, other ones that have different metals, pure gold in Canada, copper gold in Sombrero, 
predominantly silver and gold in the Kiribati area. And, um, you know, we've talked, I've talked openly, I think, on your show about potentially spinning these off or spinning them into three different scenarios mm-hmm. that we could mm-hmm. all enjoy going into the bull market. Um, the assets most certainly are mature enough. We have enough confidence behind them to do that. I think the last two metrics has been people to run these things so we're not too diluted, as well as sure. the ability to raise capital and metal prices. And, and right now we're seeing all of that. So in a best-case scenario, Jay, you know, I'd love to see this happen before year-end uh, to see mm-hmm. us deliver that to shareholders. And if we can provide, you know, three shares to our shareholders going into this incredible bull market with world-class discoveries in each one of those shares, you know, I don't think we could do more for shareholders, which includes ourselves, we're large shareholders, in the start of this market. And as tough as the wait has been, Jay, and I know you've been, and many of us have been frustrated by it, I think that coinciding market timing couldn't have been better planned had we said this four and a half years ago when we started the company. So a lot of money spent, very mature discovery opportunities were not too far away from permits to go drill. And so, and then the market is behind our back. Yeah, indeed. But it is certainly exciting. And and, uh, if I heard you right, we might actually get some drill results by the end of the year. Q, I think you said Q4 down there and it was uh, on Kurabaya. Um, So did I hear you right on that? Yeah, Curry Bay and Sombrero, we're going to mm-hmm. try to have permits in hand before year-end to be drilling before year-end. Um, you know, I, I hope it's a surprise to all of us and comes a few months sooner than I'm su- suggesting at year-end. But, um, you know, we'll have to sit, wait, and see. And just what you yeah. should know and everyone should know is we're going to do what we can to make sure that process, the second part of permitting or the permitting process at Curry Bio, which is much shorter than Sombrero, you need a different type of permit. We're going to make sure that process goes as smoothly and as efficiently and as quickly as possible. You know, I think um, we've definitely shown the opportunities. They're exciting that they're there, but it's time to go and drill them. And uh, we're going to do what we can to get the drills running sooner than later. So we'll, we'll keep a close eye on how that goes. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Thank you so much, uh, Ivan, for being with us again, and uh, we certainly will keep track of what you're doing. So all the best. Best wishes to you you. and your team. Thank you so much, Jay. Looking very forward to the rest of the year. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you very much. Well, okay, folks, we do have to go to break now, but don't go away. Bob Moriarty will be with us to talk about uh, some issues of the day and how uh, you can best prepare to navigate these troubled waters uh, geopolitically and politically and, and every other way, economically, for sure, the market's. Uh, very much of concern to anybody who's uh, thinking about what is going on resulting from COVID-19 and other issues. So don't go away. We'll be right back with Bob Moriarty. Great Bear Resources, trading under GBR on the TSX and GTBDF on the OTCQX is a gold exploration company focused on their 23-kilometer flagship Dixie project in the prolific Red Lake Mining District of Ontario. Having recently made multiple high-grade gold discoveries, GBR is fully funded to complete a very active 200,000-meter drill program through to the year 2021. Stay up to date on what's been considered one of the best-performing exploration stocks in the last two years by visiting greatbearresources.ca. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening.
listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times to Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me once again Robert Moriarty. Uh, he is uh, he was born in New York in 1946. That means he's uh, about a year older than me, possibly, something like that. He began training as a military pilot in 1965 and became the youngest naval aviator uh, during the Vietnam War in uh, 1966. With two years in Vietnam and some 832 missions in combat, he left the Marine Corps in uh, 1970. He worked in computers for a few years before beginning a second career as a ferry pilot, delivering small airplanes all over the world. He made over 240 ocean crossings, mostly in single-engine airplanes. Wouldn't be me, I'll tell you, but that was Bob. He holds 14 international aviation records. He is quite a character. He and his beloved late wife, Barbara, brought 321 Gold online um, on, to the Internet, and that was in 2012, although as a uh, recent subscriber of mine pointed out that Bob had been at it long before that um, and certainly providing his, uh, his, his very good wisdom and um, understanding of markets. Uh, so we're very fortunate to have Bob with us today. Thanks for joining me, Bob. Oh, thank you. That's very kind of you to say. Well, it's it's because it's it's true and it's heartfelt. And uh, you're a great friend of mine, and I uh, I've learned a lot from you. And um, so, you know, you're you're a kind person, and uh, you're a compassionate person. And I can't help but think. I mean, people that hear that you th- flew 832 bombing missions might wonder what kind of a guy is this. You know, while while uh, you were doing that, I was emptying bedpans in a hospital as a conscientious objector because. I was brought up as a Mennonite, and I believed it was wrong to kill people, even if they are your enemies. But, you know, that's another discussion for another day, of course, and I'm not, I'm not weighing in on that one at all. Where I stand now is not necessarily where I was then. That's, that's a whole other issue. But what I want to talk to you about uh, is the title of today's show. Um, I've titled it Transitioning from Democracy to American Tyranny. And uh, so I'm wondering what you think about that title. I'm wondering, do you think that we may be in danger of losing uh, what we were told were our rights under the Declaration of Independence, the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and the right to own our own property, that sort of thing? Constitution suggested that was the case. But it seems as though there's a lot of people questioning that, that theory that we have those rights these days. But what are your thoughts about what's happening right now? Well, that, that's the apparent problem. And what you really have to do is you have to look and say what's the real problem. Uh, let me go into that for a minute. Sure. Uh, would, would you accept that Americans are extremely angry right now? Mm-hmm. Okay. I think, I think in general that's true. There's a lot of anger, more than I've seen. And, you know, Bob, when you were, when you were in Vietnam and I was here uh, in the U.S., you know, we saw all this anger here. There was a lot of it then, but this seems to be a magnitude worse than what we experienced in the 60s. Or maybe I'm just forgetting how bad it was then, but that's, that's my sense of it. What do you think? Now, I, I totally agree, and I've got to throw this in. I, I'm going to give you a lot of credit. Uh, I wrote a book 
about my service in Vietnam. And I'm the most anti-war person you will ever talk to. And I absolutely give credit in the book to the people who resisted the war. It was an illegal war. It was the wrong war. We had no business doing it. And uh, if it was up to the Marine Corps, we would still be fighting. So let me throw that in. But let's go back to anger. Yeah. Uh, Americans are angry for three reasons. And that's not something you see discussed very much. But in the U.S. in the last couple of months, 46 million Americans have lost their jobs. Many of them have lost those jobs on a permanent basis. Now, even if the government is paying you 600 bucks a week extra, they, they have thrown in uncertainty into the mix, and you have to be angry. Uh, another issue, and that's something that, that very few people know or talk about, the lockdown is dangerous, and people die through suicide, or alcoholism, or beating each other up uh, because of the lockdown. The lockdown uh, is just or more deadly than the virus it was turned out to be. Man, it's a social animal. We need to talk to people. We need mm -hmm. to interact with people. We need to touch people just to stay sane. I didn't realize that until I was locked up for six weeks. Yeah, and I, I agree. I, I had cabin fever, no question about it whatsoever, when I could get out and, and interact with people. I just went, wow, that's great. Now, one of the things that you and I have discussed before, the divide between rich and poor is greater in the United States than it has ever been. And I'm going to give you an example. If you go to YouTube, you can probably look it up and find it. A scientist did a study of two monkeys. He put them in the cages and he taught them how to push a buzzer. And if they pushed the buzzer, they got a reward. So the monkeys both push the buzzer and he gives each of the monkeys a slice of cucumbers and the monkeys were just fine with that. They did another test and, and the monkeys pressed the buzzer he gave them each a grape, and the monkeys were fine with that. And on the third test, he gave one of the monkeys a slice of cucumber and the other monkey a grape. Now, what do you think the, the monkey that got the cucumber did? They might have gotten angry. I mean, if I were that monkey, I would want a grape, not a cucumber. He, he went crazy. He went off. He threw the slice of of, 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 of cucumber at, at the guy who was doing the study. When you, when you watch it, so you go, holy cow, you know, if we're angry because of Bill Gates uh, trying try to lock everybody down, uh, there's a reason for it. They, now, yeah. something that's very important, I've written about this before in the past. Would you agree that all countries have rich people? Absolutely. Okay. Would you agree that all countries have poor people? Absolutely. Okay. The stability of a country is based on the size of the middle class. And the last 20 or 30 years in the United States has destroyed the middle class. 
So we still have rich people. We have a lot more poor people. We just don't have the middle class. The middle class has been wiped out through debt slavery. And you and I had talked a little bit about that book called Common Sense 2.0, that it's subtitled Freeing Americans of, of Debt Slavery. I, I would highly encourage people to take a look at it on Amazon and read the book. Americans have been turned into debt slaves, and they're angry. And, and strange enough, all of a sudden it makes sense for Americans to pull down a statue, even if it lands on their head. I, I'm terrified by what I see. In, in 1968 and 1970, in, in the election, there were a lot of people who, who felt just the way you did, who were anti-Vietnam, mm -hmm. and they stood up and said, we're against the war. But the people now, they're, they're I don't know what a good term is, they're crazy. Uh, they have just flat lost it. And... And in the book, Common Sense 2.0, the guy who wrote it, wrote it points out it doesn't get any better automatically. You either fix what's broken or it gets worse. And I think the instability in the United States is going to get a whole lot worse. Well, I don't see too many people even wanting to fix it these days. There's so much anger, Bob. And I, it, it, just, that, it just seems like uh, there's a lot of angry monkeys throwing cucumbers around and pulling statues down and what have you. Um, what, what are the, I mean, first of all, all of the policies that are put, being put into place are exacerbating this wealth, uh, this, this difference between the wealth, uh, the people that, I mean, it's making the rich richer. Every time Jay Powell pumps more money into the system to try to fix COVID, COVID-19, the stock market goes up. I mean, uh, how long can this equity market continue to rise is one question I would have for you. But um, do you see any sign that people really understand what you're talking about? I mean, no. Some do. No. I, I think a few do, but not too many. We never hear this one about the wealth distinction, do we? On the mainstream media, anyway, we don't hear about it. I suppose because most of the anchors themselves are sitting quite well and enjoying the stock market going up and up. Yeah, absolutely. But here's the deal. And, and this is something that you and I had discussed in an email. People have two alternatives right now. They can either invest in Hertz or they can invest in resources. And it is a measure of how insane our financial system has gotten that people run the price of Hertz stock up uh, to six bucks a share. When it's bankrupt. It's bankrupt, my and God. No, and no hope of recovery, basically. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, here's what's crazy. Now, I, I, I've been preaching for 15 years that we were headed for a depression. Well, the depression is here. Okay, the airlines are going to take years to recover. The, the car rental places are going to take years to recover. These guys are through, and the 20 and 30-somethings have taken their $1,200 and, and they're throwing it at Hertz. Now, either the investors in Hertz are rational and they're going to make money, or the investors in resource stocks are rational and they're going to make money. I, I don't think there's any question. It, it's so easy now. It, if you can't see 
the dollar being destroyed, it, it's because you have your head up and locked. Now, I'll go you one better, and that's absolute proof. Do you have any idea what Donald Trump came up today and what, what he recommended uh, Powell do? No, I probably print more money or negative rates or something like that. I mean, that's usually well, what he wants. Funny thing you say that. He wants to give everybody another 1200 bucks. Now, that's it, crazy. That is borrowed money. Okay, you can give Americans twelve hundred bucks now, but somebody's got to pay for it. So literally, Americans are debt slaves. We're not only not doing anything about curing the problem; we're making it worse. So, so you know, Donald Trump is so eager to get reelected. He he wants uh, Congress to to give another twelve hundred bucks. I I see this as ending in utter disaster um you're living in france now uh, the french revolution comes to mind there was um, do you see any similarities oh with what's yeah, going on absolutely. here i mean the french revolution eight uh, 1789 was because uh louis the 15th spent all of money uh fighting the war against the english it was called the american revolution and while it helped the American Revolution, it bankrupted France. And they had their one-tenth of one percent. There was about 30 million French people, and there were 32,000 aristocrats. Well, by 1793, I think there were something like 500 of the aristocrats still alive. Uh, the the, the ultra-rich are making a terrible mistake because the anger is real and it's palatable and it's going to get worse unless we do something about it. Maybe they think they can, uh, they have enough money that they can find themselves uh, a country of their own or carve it out like they're like some of the Black Lives Matter people are trying to do in Seattle. Maybe, maybe Nancy Pelosi and some of the people uh, that have tremendous, that are very wealthy people, extremely, extremely wealthy people, figure that they can somehow carve out for themselves a safe, a safe haven. But you don't well, think that'll work? Uh, that's a really good theory, and it's the same theory the aristocrats had, and the fact is, for most, most of them, it didn't work. Uh, we have an opportunity, we had the same opportunity in 2008 to fix the banking system. And we didn't do it. And mm -hmm. we have made it infinitely worse. And, and the rate of destruction has gone curvilinear. And it's going to become more and more obvious every day the amount of destruction of the American financial system. Yeah. You know, um, we, so there's, there's a couple of issues then that, you know, the question is what, how do we protect ourselves? How do we go about our own businesses? Middle-class people, I, I certainly consider myself one of the few, you know, there's there's not a lot of middle-class people left, but I think that I'm probably one of, you know, I'm in that class. Uh, it's, a, it's a very small class now, but how do we protect ourselves? Those of us who aren't really, really rich, but we're not poor either, how do we, what should be our strategy? Well, you should invest in something that's real. Now, I, I'm convinced the banking system is going to go under. Mm -hmm. It is functionally bankrupt now. 
it is not a liquidity issue, it's a solvency mm -hmm. issue. And you could pour money onto a liquidity issue and solve the problem, but if you pour money onto a solvency issue, you haven't done anything at all. Uh, it's still very possible to invest in good, solid resource stocks. Uh, you and I mentioned off-camera Irving Resources, and mm -hmm. that was something that I followed for years and years and years. And that stock's up 13% today to $2.90. Uh, Irving, Novo, Lion One. There are dozens of high-quality resource stocks that are going to get the benefit of higher prices for gold and silver. Paper assets are going to be destroyed. Bank accounts are going to be seized. Bonds are going to go to zero. Currencies are going to be an utter disaster area, and you've got to invest in something that's real and tangible, and it's going to exist in spite of a worldwide depression. Well, something that holds its value, uh, certainly uh, starting with the monetary metals and gold and silver, uh, would be the most logical place to start. You mentioned Irving Resources. They are a sponsor to this show, as is Noble Resources. Uh, but it, with regard to Irving, they, they were up a lot today, and I didn't have a chance to check the news. What, what uh, sort of transpired there? Okay. Uh, Irving has been working on picking up a project that's 11 kilometers or about six miles away from Hishkari, uh, which is the highest yeah. great gold mine in the world. And, and it's identical to Hishkari. It's been, it's been in the same wealthy Japanese family for hundreds of years. It's called Yamagono. And oh. they're doing a deal with the family uh, the family wants the project put into production. They're working on, on the terms for it, but it, it's a giant uh, home run for Quentin Henney and, and for Irving. Yeah, Quentin Henning, uh, also Novo Resources, and you know that is one that, of course, you and I were the early, you were the first, you were the earliest person to really talk about it. You've known Quentin for a long time. Uh, just an outstanding person, a very, very smart guy, very, very intelligent, very creative thinker, um, not only because of his uh, his geological expertise, his technical capabilities, but also his ability to think outside the box, a really remarkable scientist, isn't he? And what do you, just maybe fill, up, fill in our listeners about Novo Resources, because, I mean, he's the only guy, the only geologist that really could see the connection or the a similarity in the deposition uh, and the extent, extensive nature of this deposition in Western Australia that it, that is uh, akin to, in many ways, the great Whitwaters ran in South Africa. But talk to us a little bit about, bring us up to date on, on what's going on with Novo and um, what people should be really keeping their eyes on there. Well, strange enough, you, you stole my thunder. <laughs> I have actually started writing uh, the book that's going to be called What Happened to the Crow, that it's about the first uh, Pilbara gold rush in 1888. Uh -huh. And I, I talk absolutely about how the change in technology and thinking outside the box has turned this into 
what I believe is going to be the, the biggest school project in the world. Now, I'm going to ask something funny. Take, take a wild stab, okay? Western Australia is the largest exporter of iron ore in the world. Uh-huh. How much as a percentage of world production does Western Australia, all by itself, what percent of world production do they contribute? I'm not sure, but it must be very large. 39%. Wow, okay. 39% of the entire world. Now, here's where it gets beautiful. The the iron ore, uh, it's both magnetite and hematite, and it all comes from something called abandoned iron formation. Now, Mm -hmm. do you have any idea of how abandoned iron formation is formed? Uh, Fill me in, Bob. The iron precipitates out of salt water in the presence of oxygen. Now, if you have the largest, the world's largest iron ore deposit where the mineral precipitated out of salt water in the presence of oxygen, uh, why wouldn't gold do exactly the same thing? And if you got the world's largest iron deposit, why wouldn't you have the world's largest gold deposit? Yeah, and that's exactly, that was the precipitation uh, idea, was, was what Quentin Henney came up with and, uh, and why he was led to, uh, to this area. And he was looking for a, a large, shallow marine environment, ancient marine, and the rocks had to be of the right age, when oxygen started to be formed through photosynthesis, right? All that had to come together, and that right. led him to this area. So, I, I, yeah, I hadn't, uh, I hadn't put the two together, the precipitation event for iron and uh, the banded iron formations. Interesting. Yeah. Well, it is interesting, and literally, Quentin Henney was the first guy to realize all the gold in Western Australia, or at least in the Pilbara Basin, got there exactly the same way. So same way. It, it's a, a fabulous story. He keeps adding to the story. It, it's more and more interesting. He obviously is working on getting the mill uh, at Millennium. And Quinton has always wanted to get into production, and they're going to get into production, and it will be the lowest cost gold in the world. Well, that's right, and that's we don't have time. I, I want to have you on again to talk more about that, Bob, because it is really an amazing story, and the, the mechanical separation and so forth that comes into play. Actually, Quentin Henning may be with us next week. Um, uh, but anyway, that's, that's uh, really all the time we have today, Bob. Thank you so much for being with us, and we really want to have you back to talk more about this, uh, this very important uh, information that we need to we need to let our listeners know about. So thank you very much for being with us. So that is all the time we have this week, folks. Next week, Frank Holmes will be with me. And as I mentioned, uh, depending on some news events, uh, Dr. Quentin Henning may also be my guest. And so uh, that's it for this week. Until next week, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
Orin Resources is an exploration company defined by its aggressive ambition to find the world's largest mines. Orin has raised over $100 million in this effort and believes it is on to three major discoveries at its projects in Canada and Peru. This year, Orin plans to drill Sombrero, where targets have analogous features to the 10th largest copper mine globally. The company also plans to drill its other substantial base and precious metal opportunities that management believes will be complemented by the strongest bull market in commodities over the last 50 years. Visit AURYNresources.com and subscribe to keep up with the busy year ahead.